Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Talk That Talk show. We are on our 14th episode here today, and I am happy to say that it is a Thursday and actually not a Tuesday. So because of, you know, my bowling schedule, um, we had to shift a little bit over to our summer schedule, and now we will be, you know, producing our episodes at 7 p.m. on Thursdays. So it's all right, you know, just a shift in two days. Um, We wanted to make sure that we were still producing a quality show and giving you all this Talk That Talk show. Um, I was very, very um, just pleased to have everyone that reached out to me and was just so happy to to know that the show was still going to continue on. Um, I had a couple people say that, you know, something was a little bit missing on Tuesday because we didn't have the show. But, you know, we are here for our 14th episode of the Talk That Talk show. Um, I'm just happy to be here. I spent the day with my boy Mo Elkatan. Shout out to him. Uh, We had a beautiful day on the beach. Got to relax, uh, work on my tan a little bit. Just had had a good time. And I think a lot of the times you need a little bit of a relaxer or you need something to, you know, kind of bring you back away from reality for a little bit. Um, We spend a lot of our time, so much of our time working and, you know, just trying to maintain and create a a life for ourselves. And, you know, a lot of the times the jobs that we do, uh, you know, take up a lot of our time. So, you know, for me being able to take, you know, some time to myself, uh, go into the one place that I love going to, um, just my my personal oasis in the beach, you know, that's just the type of, um, you know, just the type of recovery that I need. And a lot of the times, you know, when we come out here and we become frustrated with our jobs or become frustrated with some of the things that happen in our lives, a lot of the time it's because we're not giving enough time to ourselves to just recharge. And that's really what I, you know, took today in and, you know, just got to throw the football around. And if you know me, you know how much I love the beach. Um, So it was just a a great day for me to recharge and, you know, just come back into a a new routine. Um, A lot of the times when, you know, we have things that happen, um, a lot of the times it kind of throws us off kilter because we're out of that routine. Um, and, 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 you know, with this, you know, new summer schedule, I'm just trying to create a new routine for everybody out there listening. I know it's not Tuesday. I know we've become accustomed to having this show on Tuesday, but you know, realistically, it's going to be a lot more fun on Thursdays. Um, you will, it's a little bit closer to the weekend, so you can catch our show on that, you know, commute in on Friday mornings. Um, but I'm just really excited for a, a different day to just deliver you um, the up, up and coming sports and um, analysis, uh, some of my hot takes, and just showing you just how much better of a podcast we've come. Um, we've, we've updated our video quality on our Facebook live stream. Shout out to Crystal Dice. Shout out to my boy Joshua Games Heems. He just picked up another chicken dinner on PUBG. I think he's going to beat me in our race to 100. I hate to say it. Um, shout out to my boy Savion Gainer and shout out to my boy uh, Jeff Farrell, who's always tuning in. Um, he asked me for a little bit of a shout out for his team. So once the show gets started, we're going to get into a little bit more about that. But um, also shout out to Naya Santiago. Hope you enjoyed your day today. Um, but, 
you know, the main thing is we are here on Thursday. This is the Talk That Talk show. Um, if you ever want to come in here and be a guest on my show, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, we had my brother on the show, so he gave a great interview and something that is a tough act to follow. So if you think you can be on this show, just listen in, tune in, see what we're talking about, and see if you can provide some insight yourself on this show. All right, I'm I'm always open to having some new people, but um, thank you to all our our new listeners that are tuning in. Thank you to to our regular subscribers um, on Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Um, I'm just really happy to have you here each week with me, and we're just gonna get started with this show. Um, for some of our top news that we've had at the beginning of the hour. Um, we got some news that Kevin Durant will be ruled out in game four. Um, Clay Thompson likely will play. Um, we're going to get a little bit into that um, later on in the show when I go over our NBA Finals um, analysis there. But it kind of, you know, Durant wasn't able to participate in three-on-three scrimmages. And just on the surface from that, um, when I think about three-on-three scrimmages, I think a lot about rotations and help defense. Um, when you play two-on-two, two, you're pretty much on the island. If you're not uh, guarding that guy up, he's going to get buckets on you all day. So when I think about three-on-three three scrimmages, I think about help defense and you know really him planning off of that hurt calf to uh, recover on defense. And if he says that you know he wasn't able to participate on those three-on-three three scrimmages, um, that's something that's very alarming. Because the, if you can't get on three-on-three three scrimmages, then how, how are you going to play in five-on-five, five, let alone play effectively in the NBA Finals? So um, we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in the show. But, um, you know, Kevin Durant not being on that Warriors team definitely is a big blow to that uh, championship squad. And we saw that in these past two games with the Raptors and the Warriors. Um, another thing that we saw was that the Nets traded Allen Crabb. Um, this was big for the Nets um, because it kind of solidifies their stake in trying to be contenders in this offseason. Um, when you look at what they do when they trade Allen Crabb, you're, get you're getting rid of 18.5 million off the books. Um, that, that's huge when you're talking about trying to attract some free agents and freeing up some cap space, freeing up some money. So, I mean, when you're getting rid of Allen Crabb, you get rid of a guy who, you know, couldn't give you a healthy full season. Um, he was inconsistent shooting the ball for the Nets. And, you know, really he got his spot taken by Joe Harris. So when you think about what this, you know, trade means for them, um, they're, they're pretty much giving up their 17th pick in the first round draft. And they're giving up a 2020 lottery protected first round pick. For Torian Prince and a 2021 pick. Now, we look at this and we could think, oh, yeah, they're getting this guy, Torian Prince, who has, you know, major upside, um, a guy who is versatile, can shoot the three, you know, can d defend your, your, your guy. Pretty much a poor man's Kawhi, and that's giving him a lot of credit there. But um, Torian Prince is a guy that I wouldn't be surprised if he's not even on this roster. Um, to start the year, I think really this deal was pretty much to free up that cap space. When you think about what Stephen A. Smith said in the reports on ESPN and you know throughout the social media, he was saying that 
he believes that Kevin Durant and Kyrie are going to come to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Kyrie, he was seen at the 4040 Club. Yes, they had separate rooms with, uh, other than the other Brooklyn Nets players. Um, but Kyrie Irving is a guy who grew up in Jersey and grew up a Nets fan. So I don't see how you can rule out Kyrie going to the Nets. But as a Knicks fan, this hurts me because Kyrie Irving is choosing the better potential here. Um, the Nets have a much better potential team. As you can see, they made it to the playoffs. Um, they got D'Angelo Russell. They got Joe Harris, who's a great two-way player for them. Um, they got some young guys over there, and they just really embody the, the blue-collar work ethic that it takes to win games in the NBA. So if you're coming from Kyrie Irving, who feels like in Boston, a lot of these young guys got, um, they were given a lot of things early on, and they were privileged without really accomplishing too much. I think that this will be a great switch for Kyrie to go to the Nets because now he's going to be with a bunch of guys that really just want to win. They just want to win games. And they do it without having that superstar guy. So when you then potentially add a Kyrie Irving or you add in there a Kevin Durant, um, this, this catapults the Brooklyn Nets team up into the top two, maybe even top team in the East next to Toronto. But, um, you know, we're just going to have to see how things shake out here in this free agency period. But, you know, I think this was big for the Mets. I mean, this is big for the Nets in the fact that they free up two max contract slots. So let's just see what Brooklyn is able to do. I know uh, I love my Knicks, but uh, the Nets are wheeling and dealing out here. So we're going to have to make sure that we get this draft right with the Knicks because if not, we can't lose the crown to uh, Brooklyn. I know they made the playoffs over us. Um, they got the better overall team right now. But um, they're going to need to do a lot more than uh, just make it to the playoffs one time to take the crown from the Knicks because when you still go in the city and you see uh, on the subways, there's still a lot more Knicks hats than there are Nets hats. I'm sorry to tell you, Jeff. Um, but the one thing that we got to get into a little bit more um, – it's been a it, oh, it's a tough tough show for the blue and orange because we got to give a lot of you know props to the other team, but um, I I got to shout out my boy Peter Dunn because he asked for it. But we got to shout out these Yankees, man. Um, they got a thirty-eight and twenty-two record. Um, they're first in the American League East. I know they lost their last three games. They lost the first two to Toronto and then lost the game to Boston, but. You got you can't overlook what the Yankees have been able to do, considering all the the injuries that they have, considering that you don't have Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton or Didi Gregorius or just it's it's just been you know injury after injury with these guys, but you have to give credit a lot to Aaron Boone. Um, I know he took up a lot of flack at the beginning with. You know, just how everybody questioned him as a manager. But, you know, last year in his first season, he gets them to the playoffs. And now he has them to where they had one of the franchise best months in the month of May. Um, but the Yankees are playing great baseball right now. Um, you got Glaber Torres, who's hitting 279 with 14 dingers. Um, that's huge considering, um, you know, what they've been missing up up the middle with Didi Gregorius. But, um 
You also get DJ LeMahieu, who was a huge, huge acquisition for the Yankees, and he's hitting 315 with 38 RBIs. So that shows me this guy is a guy who's getting hits, and he's getting clutch hits by bringing in these runs. So um, when you have the Yankees where your top key cogs are the guys that are, are, are putting the pinstripes in the Yankees, um, to get production out of those, you know, role players is huge for the Yankees. And, and it kind of talks to just that next man up philosophy in New York. And I just wish that, you know, that same thing was, you know, carried forth with the Mets. So um, let's just see what happens with the Yankees. Um, I think that they have a great team. Um, once they get healthy, um, it could be it could be uh, it could be over for this a- American League East because, you know, if the Yankees are taking the top of that division with a, you know, a decimated roster, I mean, it, it could be over uh, pretty quickly if they get healthy. So I uh, just want to shout out the Yankees there. Keep playing hard. Uh, somebody's got to win for New York, uh, even if our Mets aren't doing it. Um, another thing that I definitely, definitely got to talk about. I don't know if anybody got a chance to see that fight, but. Um, it doesn't look like we're going to get the Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua fight anymore. Um, Anthony Joshua lost, uh, conv- he lost convincingly to Andy Ruiz Jr. Um, Andy, shout out to Andy Ruiz Jr. He became the first, you know, purely Mexican born fighter to be a heavyweight champion. Um, I don't want to take anything away from him. Um, I definitely underestimated him. And I think I'm not the only person that did underestimate this guy, Ruiz Jr. Um, When you look at him on surface, that fight was the true definition of don't judge a book by its cover. Because when I first uh, saw this guy, I didn't even look at him until the fight night. But I'm on the phone with Jeffrey. um, Pretty much we're just talking our sports like we normally do. And he's pretty much telling me about the the Anthony Joshua fight. He goes, oh, this fight's going to suck. They got this fat guy in there. He's a fill-in. No way he's going to beat Anthony Joshua. So, you know, I started thinking that same way myself. And I'm like, oh, here's another boxing match. We're just going to get another filling fight before uh, not being able to see the fights that we really want to see. But what we saw with the Anthony Joshua fight here is the, the you just can't go out there and go through the motions. All right? This is boxing. All right, this, this is a this is a sport where they call it the sweet science for a reason, and for Anthony Joshua to just come out there and just think that he could just go out there and take it with no you know opposition, I just think it, it speaks to the lack of pre- preparation by him and his camp, because what Andy Ruiz uh, he looked poorly conditioned. Both of them, you know, looked poorly conditioned, but. You know, it was just Andy Ruiz's game plan of throwing punches and bunches and effectively that pretty much took Anthony Joshua out of it. And the only thing I could think of is the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Um, To see Anthony Joshua not even have his legs under him, um, it was just really disheartening to me because I'm somebody that was always trying to push for this Deontay Wilder-Anthony Joshua fight, but... You know, with Anthony Joshua losing this fight, it just looks further and further away from us seeing this. And uh, Deontay Wilder definitely have uh, the top of the crown as far as the heavyweight division for a 
long time to come. Um, can Andy Ruiz beat, uh, you know, Deontay Wilder if he gets the chance? I, I just don't know. I don't know. Uh, Savion is right that J Anthony Joshua is weak. He proved that. And I think that from, you know, Andy Ruiz Jr. going in there and just, you know, just beating the pulp out of uh, Anthony Joshua, um, I think you got to give Ruiz a little bit of a, a benefit of the doubt. But uh, Deontay Wilder is just a, a, a much different beast. He's a, a different animal, um, a, a pure knockout machine. So I think that, you know, if we do see Andy Ruiz try and get a fight, with uh you know Deontay Wilder in the garden potentially um I think that Andy Ruiz would get knocked out um Deontay Wilder's pretty much knocked out every guy he's faced besides <laughs> Tyson Fury but um you know Anthony Joshua he doesn't have a chin you know shout out to Reese on our Facebook live stream he's 100% right Anthony Joshua showed us that he does not have a chin because when, uh, you know, Ruiz Jr. hit him with that temple shot to the right of the, uh, you know, I think it was like a right hook. You know, Anthony Joshua was done for that whole night. Um, I don't know if anybody caught the in-between rounds, but Anthony Joshua was saying, you know, what, what, what punch was it? Because he knew that there was a, a specific punch that pretty much just took the, the air out of him. Um, so it, it's going to be difficult to see, you know, who could take on uh, Deontay Wilder. Um, a lot of people try to say that Anthony Joshua threw this fight so he didn't have to fight Wilder. Um, I'd like to believe in the integrity of boxing, but you know it, it, that was a that was a really really big upset. So shout out to anybody that you know put any type of money on Andy Ruiz because I know you racked up big time. So shout out to you. Um, then something else that I saw. That is a, a huge rule change that's coming up here is the fact that the the NCAA is uh, going to move this three-point line back. Um, what does this mean for the game of basketball? Um, I think it just kind of shows the growth as far as just how effective the three-point shot has become a part of this game. Um, just even when I was playing basketball growing up, you know, you had one or two guys that were able to shoot the three-pointer well. Um, they had the green light on each team. But, you know, when you start to see uh, these guys, and even when I was in L.A. Fitness lifting, and uh, you, you just go to check on the basketball court to see what's going on, and you see these young guys, and the first thing that they do when they play basketball is they want to they, they shoot straight from the three-point line. They're going straight to the three-point line trying to shoot. Um, and I just think that speaks to the culture of what the game has shifted to. Um, I think a lot of the times now we have and we celebrate, you have people like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard who are taking shots way beyond the three-point line. And these are the guys that you know kids are looking up to and what influences their game. I mean, what has been deemed bad shots are now considered really good shots. And, you know, with the NCAA moving this three-point line back to the international level, I think it, it's going to help as far as these college players to transition their games. Um, I think a lot of times when you see these players um, from the college game and these high, mid uh, high conferences, mid-major conferences, in their first year into the NBA, they have a, a problem and they struggle with their three-point percentage. 
but that's only because the the line has been moved so far in on these NCAA uh, three point lines. So you know, with them moving it back to you know the international line, I think it shows to the importance of the international game as well. Um, you got people like Luka Doncic who um, are coming in from the international game, and they're doing major damage in the NBA because of the fact that. You know, they've kind of been primed into it with their, you know, professional experience overseas. Um, so with, you know, the NCAA, they're just trying to keep up with, you know, what's going on around them and adapting to the game itself. Um, when we look a little bit more into why the NCAA did switch the three-point line around, they, they kind of made three major keys as to, you know, why the game is well, why the three-point line is being extended back. But the first thing that they say is they want to make the lane more available for dribble drive plays. And the big thing with this is is the fact that you're not really seeing flex offenses anymore. I remember uh, one of our base offenses was the flex because you can get any open shot out of it, whether you get the down screen, whether you pop off the screen. Um, there was a lot of great opportunities that could have come from the flex, but, you know, we're starting to see the game shift from a lot more of that organized Spurs-type basketball to a more loose game to the East Coast game where you got guys that are just trying to blow past you and, and, and dish it off. Um, so with the NCAA saying that this is a reason why they're extending the game back, I think it just caters more towards the more overall rounded players, right? Guys that can dribble the ball and penetrate um, – Players like Giannis Antetokounmpo or Draymond Green that are kind of anomalies to what your point center is kind of the definition of now. So, you know, with that line moving back and giving more lane available, it plays more towards those guys that are um, really excel at the dribble drive game. Um, another thing that they said was uh, by extending the game back is going to make shots more difficult and it's going to be the counter to people shooting more threes. But it's kind of like that thing where <laughs> if you have someone that says, uh, do not touch this button, what's the first thing you're going to want to do? Touch you that, touch that You want to touch the button, right? So I think with them moving the line back, it's just going to not deter from people shooting threes because at the end of the day, three points is obviously more than two points. I just think that this is really just going to – define what it takes to be an efficient three-point shooter, right? So you're going to have to move it back, and you're going to have to shoot it at a high rate from the beginning of this college season, right? As soon as you step foot in that college uniform, you're going to have to be able to shoot the ball from deep, and that's only going to transition their game into a more you know NBA-style game when they uh, graduate or when they leave from the, the game to go to the NBA. Um, and then... In, the last thing that they said is it's going to require the defense to cover more ground. And I kind of, I don't know how I really feel about this because it's not like they're making the, the court bigger, right? The court isn't getting bigger. They're just extending this three point line further. So when they talk about giving more space, are you really adding more space? Because now you're taking away from the space that you have once you cross half court. Right, because a lot of times you're gonna have to defend that three point line. If you look at how you know the Raptors had trouble, or how they were able to to uh, give trouble to 
Giannis Antetokounmpo is because they were able to guard that three-point line. They were able to create that umbrella. So now when you're extending this three-point line back, you know, you're kind of exe- you know bringing this defense even more further out. And I just don't know if you're really giving more you know, space to the game of basketball. So this is one of these things that's going to be a really big changer. Um, You're going to start to see, uh, I say, games that are going to be a little bit lesser in the point scoring. I think that um, guys are going to have to really try and adjust. But once we get midway through that college season, it's not even going to be a factor anymore. And it's just going to be, you know, something that, we've all always thought was going to happen with them extending the three point line back. So let's just tune in and see what happens with, you know, the NCAA. I think it's going to make for some really exciting games. And, uh, so make it a little bit more difficult. You just can't go out and shoot a, a three pointer. Like it's a free throw. But now that we've talked about the college game, whoo, I gotta talk about the NBA finals. You know, I couldn't do this show without talking about the finals. Want to give a shout-out to our boy Ryan Topping. Shout-out to him uh, for joining in on our Facebook live stream. But, you know, with these NBA finals, we have the Raptors who pulled up a big, huge win, 123-109. to The Raptors are up 2-1. In Golden State. Yeah, they did do that in Golden State. For some people that don't know, go get your tacos from Taco Bell. But, you know, the war, this, this, with the Raptors going up 2-1 in this last game, they did what they were supposed to do. Uh, if they couldn't beat the Warriors without, a, without Clay Thompson, uh, without Kevin Durant, then how much of a chance did they really have to win this series? So when I look at this, this last game, I see that the Warriors bench is just not as deep as what these other championship games were and uh, championship teams were in the past. Um, you got this guy McKinney is coming off the bench, McCall, um, just guys that Quinn Cook, I know he's played well, but you're asking a lot out of these guys to go out and produce when this is the NBA Finals, right? They've kind of relied so much on Kevin Durant and the antics of Steph Curry to where now you're asking guys to, to just really play out of their roles. Um, and that's really going to be difficult for the Warriors, especially when we talk about Kevin Durant not going to be available for Game 4. Um, Clay will be back, but, you know, Steph Curry had 47 points last night. Let's, let's let that sink in. This man had 47 points, and it still wasn't enough for the Warriors to win. So, you know, when I think about that, I think about the supporting cast in Toronto. I know Reese says that Kyle Lowry is still trash, but um, I don't know that we can say that with how he's been playing in the past couple games. Um, Playoff Kyle Lowry has been showing up. Um, He had 23 points and 9 assists last game. And I kind of have to think about as to, you know, why is Playoff Lowry having this success? Why has he been doing so well when in the past he struggled? Well, when I think about it, you know, Kawhi Leonard, we just got to speak to the greatness of this guy, man. Kawhi Leonard saw that he was going to have Sean Livingston on him, and he thought it was, you know, feast season, right? I don't know if you guys saw the article that came out, but they said that Kawhi Leonard was just sort of subtle trash talker. Anytime he would get a board, he'd say, board man, pay the board man. 
Or if he was uh, you trying to drive on him, he said, nope, nope, nope. Or if he would get a bucket on you, say, bucket, bucket. So this guy is somebody who just is just almost so robotic with the fact that he systematically just takes you out, right? And one of the things that I saw in this series is with Sean Livingston having to step up to guard him instead of Clay Thompson is that, you know, Kawhi Leonard is really great at exploiting matchups. And if he sees a guy that can't stay in front of him, the first thing that he's going to do is he's going to drive to kick. We talk about, you know, why the three-point line is moving back in the NCAA game, and that's because of just how much the dribble drive is a factor in the game in today. Um, and you look at what makes Kawhi Leonard a great player is the fact that he's able to find his teammates. He had six assists when he still had 30 points. But the thing is, is that, you know, Kawhi is just somebody that knows how to play at his own pace. And when he's setting you up with wide open shots in the corner that, you know, Kyle Lowry was able to get, I mean, it's hard to see why you wouldn't make those shots. So when we think about why is the supporting cast of Toronto playing as well as they are, uh, you can only look as far as Kawhi because he's he's really putting this team in positions to win. And, you know, when I think about this now, um, it's not out of the realm of possibility to say that Toronto can win this series and dethrone the champs and the Warriors. But now you start to think about it, and and we think a little bit farther ahead. And do you think that Kawhi Leonard will still stay in Toronto even though they win the NBA Finals? Now, I'm going to pose that as a question to some of our Facebook Live people out there. Um, Do you think that Kawhi Leonard will stay in Toronto even if the Raptors do wind up beating the Warriors? One of the things that I'm going to say here with that is the fact that I don't believe that Kawhi Leonard is going to stay in Toronto. Um, I think that even if they do win the NBA Finals, he's just that much of a quirky guy that if he has his own, you know, uh, set goals or set plans, he's going to let, you know, he's going to follow those out, right? Um, He's not going to allow, you know, even winning an NBA Finals or being a Finals MVP to stop him from his mission, right? Um, When you think about, you know, what he has done in Toronto, a lot of people say that he probably has taken away from DeMar DeRozan's whole legacy as a Raptor in just a couple months. But, you know, would the Raptors really have been in the position to win had DeMar DeRozan not uh, put in those years of effort before? Um, We may never know. But one of the things that we will say is Kawhi has made this Raptors team a real contender. They went from being a laughing stock to a, te- uh, a team that couldn't beat LeBron to now reclaiming that Eastern Conference now and being the best team to take down Golden State. Um, I just still think that, you know, I'm with uh, Reese when he says that he's leaving. Um I think Zeeshawn also says here that he has a crib in Toronto. Um, I know the guy's got to live, but I think that if we really have to put our gambling bets on it, um, I think Kawhi is a guy that is going to be you know, very close to home. He wants to be somewhere where he's comfortable. And you know, to me, that looks like L.A. Um, I don't know that he will go to L.A. to play with LeBron, 
because it's not easy to play with LeBron. But I do think it's not out of the realm of the possibility for Kawhi to go to the Clippers. Um, you have a Clippers team that won two games against the Warriors in the playoffs. So it's not it's not a big uh, thing for him not to go to the Clippers. I think, you know, if I'm a betting person, that's where I'm going to put my money on him going. Um, so, you know, that's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, with these NBA Finals, um, I, I still don't give it a lock to, you know, the Raptors to take this series. Um, I think that would be, you know, we're, we're really betting on, you know, the supporting cast of the Toronto Raptors to consistently do what they were doing. Um, I don't know that we can say that Danny Green is going to play at the high level that he did every single game. Um, I think, you know, that's asking a lot out of him. I know it's possible, but, you know, when we think about consistency, that is what's going to make it very difficult for this Raptors team to beat the Warriors. Um, I don't think that you can really count out the Warriors, even with them being down 2-1. If they can win this next game and kind of split it at home, um, now you go back to Toronto 2-2, and and maybe you get Kevin Durant in Game 5 back. But um, I think tomorrow we're really going to see just the importance of Klay Thompson. Um, Even though Kawhi Leonard is just pretty much doing whatever he wants to do um, on offense, you just got to give credit to uh, Clay Thompson because he still considerably slows down Kawhi Leonard, even if it's for a couple possessions or even if it's for a strip for one play. Um, whatever you can do to try and slow down Kawhi Leonard, that's what's going to be the most effective way in stopping the Raptors. So Clay Thompson, uh, we really need him to be healthy out there for the Warriors for them to have a chance because if you know Clay Thompson isn't um, healthy, then this Warriors team, I hate to say it, has no shot against Toronto. Um, We saw DeMarcus Cousins, and he looked really, really bad out there. Um, You saw a guy that uh, just had no lift off of his legs um, when it came down to uh, making that spin turn. Um, You saw that he had a little bit of a difficult time. And... That's what's really uh, the, the the Warriors are missing when you have such a, a tough, tough team and a tough, uh, gritty team that they have with Draymond Green and how they get those um, you know lob passes. I don't know how many times we've seen where uh, the, you know Steph splits the double team or you know one of their penetrators gets into the lane and they throw that nice little alley oop pass, right? Um, I think that that's where Jamar, I mean, Demarcus Cousins could have really inserted himself into this game, but he really struggled last game. And, you know, not having Demarcus Cousins be as healthy as what he usually is and just seeing him struggle in the way that he did, um, you really have to put the onus on Steph. You know, he had 40, what, 47 points, and they still lost. I think that Demarcus Cousins could have given him at least 10 12 points, maybe even 15 on a good day like he did the last time. Um, the Warriors might have even stolen this uh, this past game on a, a, a low, you know, a low, beat up, mangled, injured team in the Warriors that they have right now. So um, shout out to Theo saying that, you know, Kayvon Looney is still injured. I know he is, um, but, you know, the Warriors are a team that is 
definitely, definitely going to have issues with beating Toronto if they can't get themselves 100% healthy. Um, Toronto is a team that you know has Fred Van Fleet playing the way that he is. Um, he's kind of stepped up as this leader for that Toronto team. He's had 33 minutes logged. Um, he had that huge rainbow three to kind of seal the game for Toronto. So you just have, and then Serge Ibaka, who showed up as a huge rim protector. He was blocking everything out there. So the Raptors are in a good position to to do what a lot of people don't think that they can do. But, you know, like Reese says, the Warriors do not have the depth to compete if they are not 100% healthy. So I think we're going to have a, a nice treat tomorrow in uh, watching this finals game. Um, if the Warriors do lose this next game, um, it's going to be very difficult for them going back to Toronto being down uh, 3-1. Um, we might we might as well uh, put the Raptors name on that trophy um, because Kawhi Leonard is just a, is just a man that's possessed right now. Um, he's playing out of his mind and he's just really galvanized this whole city in Toronto and just the entire country. Um, you see the the Jurassic Park out there and it looks like Woodstock, you know it looks like uh, they're just really enjoying themselves so. Um, Toronto, they're ready. They got the home court advantage. Um, they got Drake who's out there, you know, doing his antics. But if, you know, the Warriors have to go back to Jurassic Park down 3-1, um, we might as well call Kawhi the finals MVP and, uh, give them the trophy. But, uh, you know, that pretty much does it for our show here. Um, the time is, you know, it always flies by when you're having fun and, you know, yeah, when you're talking that talk, uh, the time flies. Um, we're already going you know, into our ending segment of our show where we like to shout out our sponsors. Um, we want to shout out the VW Liquors located on 30 Menu Street um, in Edison, New Jersey. We always say this for Dave. Let's go, Mets! Let's go, Mets! You know, shout out to VW Liquors. Um, also want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Um, an executive bar and restaurant located at 30 Menu Street in Carteret, New Jersey. And then also we want to give out a shout-out to our boy Cody Bromley at 91s.com. Um, they got some of the best acid wash apparel, so go check them out. See what they got in their collection. Um, if you didn't get a chance to go outside, please go outside and uh, you know spend some time outside. Um, we have... We've had a couple beautiful days here. Um, the rain's kind of washed a little bit of that humidity out here on the East Coast. Um, but definitely get that outside activity out. A lot of times we're inside and, you know, it really affects our mood when we don't get some sunshine and, you know, don't, don't get some of that fresh air. So got to get that vitamin D. So I, I definitely challenge to all of our viewers and our listeners out there, go outside, uh, you know, take your friends, go throw the football. Go shoot some basketball. Uh, maybe go for a walk in the park with your lady friend. Um, just go outside and have some fun. Because, you know, when you're inside and we're cramped up all the time, um, it's just it's just not as fun. You know, we spend a lot of our time at work, and for some of us, we work inside a lot of the time. So, you know, just go outside and enjoy. You know, do something for yourself. Um, you know, self-preserve. We talked a lot about, uh, you know, giving some time to yourself to recharge. So definitely take some time and enjoy yourself 
Uh, if you get a chance to on your way home, maybe check out this episode. Check out some of the older episodes. But the Talk That Talk show is going to be there for you. Um, thank you for tuning in. We're going to be here every Thursday, 7 p.m. on our summer schedule. The Talk That Talk show is going to be here. So thank you to all of our listeners out there, to all of our new listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And you got to keep tuning in because I'm going to keep talking that talk. Thank you again and see you next Thursday.